Graham, I don't hate Tom Brady. Do you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate Tom Brady. You got a big dream board with like it's just broken got Tom Brady's, Brady's head on it and arrows in it. Yeah. yeah. Because you're such a huge Bills fan, when was the last time you were this excited about a Buffalo Bills signal caller? I would say never. Never felt this optimistic at all. The future of the franchise is locked in. And let's talk Bills. Ah! I'm Eric, joined, as always, by my good buddy Graham. Graham, how are you feeling? Bad. This is a bad start to the season, and it was a frustrating week one. Uh, being there and experiencing it live and paying to go watch Jets fans be excited at the end is miserable. So, yeah, I've, you know, I'm still angry. Ap- apologies to the fans. I don't know if we made it clear that you would be boots on the ground at last week's game, but you certainly were, and you certainly caught the brunt of it, didn't you? Oh, my gosh. I will never regret going to a game obviously like I feel like you know if my team loses if the bills lose I was there feeling the pain with them I'm doing my part I'm doing what I can and you know riding the highs and the lows with the team but boy does it stink to go to an away game and have your team lose it's miserable I've all experienced right, right. this every single year for the Sabres Madison Square yeah. Garden is a slaughter every time and Don't with the care. bills the last two years we're losing in MetLife Stadium to just such an inferior group of players. It's so frustrating. Well, we'll get into, you know, Zach, Buffalo Killer Wilson in just a moment here. But I'm famously, Graham, against being live at sporting events. I It's not my favorite thing to do. I prefer to watch from home. And I know that is an unpopular opinion. But tell me. Sitting in that stadium with the Bills playing, or well, one player playing as dreadfully as he did, and the Bills ending up losing that game, do you, you know, ever think to yourself, this might not be worth it? Maybe I should have watched this from home and I would have gotten all the great angles on every single play and I wouldn't have to, you know, sit here with all these hooligans. Do you ever feel like that? I think I would think that way if I had like no integrity as a person or if I were just a total loser. Wait, what does it have to do with integrity? I feel like I am building character and I am (laughs) doing my part for the team by being there. Now, if I were to just give up on that and throw all of this out the window and say, it's hard. I don't want to anymore. It might not go my way. I'll stay on my couch and eat chips. That would be pathetic. What kind of person would have that mindset? I'm glad that we have fans like you out there, you know, who make the rest of us look good. You're welcome. We appreciate everything that you do for us. On a serious note, like I I live closer to the Jets now than I do to the Bills stadium. So a lot of the people I work with are Jets fans. And the day of this game, they're all excited about the game and none of them are going. None. Not one person from where I work. It's 90% Jets fans. And they're all like, you're going to the game i'm like yes what that's what you do you go to watch in person you see it live that's what you do and some people it's just like not on their radar that it's even an option it's just so foreign to them if you don't go to these games you are missing such an experience yes the team can lose that's a part of it that's life it's bad things might happen right you can't just not do things because you might have a bad result but when you're there it's the it's the spectacle of sitting with 
75,000 people. It's the whole stadium shaking when something crazy happens. It's dealing with the home fans screaming at you and giving you a hard time and at times assaulting you, which has happened in years past. But this year, the fans were pretty, pretty tame. But it's all Mm -hmm. part of the experience. And you go through all that because it's way more exciting and way more of a life lived if you're there than if you just sit there scrolling through the channels, watching your team through a tube. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, you know, you played your part in doing the best you could to support this Bills team to win? I have no I have no regrets. I put in a heck of an effort. And until oh. they pull my application off the stack and I can actually be on the field, I'm doing all I can. And so no regrets. However, there is a member of this Bills team who I feel did not do all he could. And I have a little bit of a bone to pick with our boy, Joshy. Yeah, well, I mean, let's talk about that, shall we? Because the Bills did indeed lose this game 22-16 in overtime. The Bills are just a cursed team in overtime, it seems, in these last years. And I don't know if it's all on Josh. We can talk about that. But Josh Allen did not have a good game. Three interceptions, was it, right? All to the same player. A guy who had never had more than two in a season. Somebody told me he has some sort of incentive in his contract that if he got like three all year (laughs) and he got them all in week one. He ought to send Josh Allen a nice uh, gift for helping him achieve that incentive. But woof, it was a brutal game. I hesitate to put everything on, on Josh because, yeah, that's... He obviously, played like a, he played like a psychopath. Well, obviously, you can't ever put everything on any one player. Yeah. Like last year, we lost to the Vikings because of Cam Lewis. I recognize that <laughs> other people involved played their no, part in us true. losing that that's game. Actually, true. <laughs> but like Josh bears ninety percent of the blame for this. We could have still won even with him playing as disastrously as he had. It had some players had like the game of their lives. But it's Josh's fault. Like this, let's this go goes through, on Josh's shoulders. Let's go through the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? So what were some good things that you saw from this game, Graham? Diggs looked very good. Diggs was, as advertised, he was getting separation, making catches even in, in traffic with people blanketing it all over him. He's making the play. So Diggs was awesome. Um, I don't know. You want to take turns? What else was good? Uh, I thought James Cook looked good on you know like half of his runs I think he ended up averaging less than four yards a carry but I thought that he looked very quick like he did last season he looks small dude like small small he's listed at 190 I bet he's like 180 but uh I think that he can be an exciting exciting player for the Bills moving forward if you know he's not bogged down by uh you know, the Jets defense and stuff like that. I think that he's going to blow some huge runs open this season. And uh, I'm really looking forward to see what he can to seeing what he can do as a feature back of the Buffalo Bills. Good call. I also liked the way James Cook ran the ball. Um, I think Dalton Kincaid looked good in his first rookie game. You know, he didn't break the game wide open, but I think he had four catches and he caught all his targets and made something of a few of them. So he had a pretty nice outing. Um, And I thought that, uh, Osiris Torrance. Now, I'm, I'm not going to yes. say that I sat there and stared at Osiris Torrance, but I saw grades from the game that he was not at all an issue on these pressures or sacks that that Josh took, that he held his own. So that's good to see, right? That they right. actually maybe, right. I mean, it's one game, but it's possible that they found a long-term starter in the second round finally 
on the interior of the offensive line. I like that. Sure. I think there's other good. We can keep going. Defense. Defense looked good, I think, overall. Uh, outside of like just an amazing catch by uh, Garrett Wilson. I'm telling you, he is unbelievable. Garrett Wilson, <laughs> like Trey is all over him on that play. And all yeah. Garrett Wilson can do is shove Trey with one hand. And like you could claim pass interference. No, I think it's just an incredible play. And he bats the ball away with his right hand, but then somehow gets back around it and bats it back and catches it. Like sure. it was unbelievable. I just yeah. think he's an incredible talent and Trey did everything he could on that play, except maybe get inside of him. But you know, you don't want him to go over the top. So what do you do? It was just an amazing play, but the defense right. did play very well, especially against the pass. I thought they were sound. They got gashed right up the middle for a bunch of runs, but that could be that they just have unbelievable running backs on that uh, jets in the jets backfield. Sure. I mean, outside of a uh, 83-yard run, was it something like that, by Brees Hall, they pretty much you know, bottled up Delvin Cook, and I think Brees Hall's numbers obviously would not have been as impressive. They almost rushed for 200 yards, I think, but uh, like half of it came on that big, long run. So I mean, I think even on that, that drive, job he breaks an 80-something yard run. Christian Benford gets on his horse. Oh my God, I know. And comes back and makes a crazy play okay. and they hold him to a field goal. Well, let's move to the de- the bad then, right? Because No, because that- there's more good. The defense, other oh. than just other than just against the pass, like Greg Rousseau had a very good game. Not because he was sacking the quarterback like crazy, but he was applying pressure off the edge all day long. He was great. Milano was great. Uh who else was great on defense? Uh, I mean, you never even saw Oliver? Trey White except for the Leonard yeah, Floyd. Leonard I Floyd. Mean, <laughs> Leonard Rogers Floyd. Killer. Yeah, Leonard Floyd had a good day, I'd say, and from yeah. a lot of perspectives. All right, let's talk about the bad then, because you're talking about the good on the Christian Benford tracking down of uh, Brees Hall. But one of the bad things from that play, besides you know him breaking open a huge wide run, is how derelict. Jordan Poyer looked. Oh my God. He kind of the whole game, right? Had yeah. He had Brees Hall squared up on that one and just like stumbled over himself looking like an old man out there. It was well tough to see. I don't blame him for that play. Gassing him and Micah Hyde up as the No, no, for sure not. But you know, in seasons past, he makes that tackle no issues at all. He's one of the most he has been one of the most sure tacklers on this team. That's what we loved about him uh, as a safety, but this game, he did not show it. It was hopefully not a sign of things to come in his age 32 season, but I'm very scared that it is. I think in run support, he did not do what he typically does. On that play, though, he's pretty far. He's deep. So I don't. maybe you could say there's a positioning issue, but it, if anything to stop that play. He, the only thing he could have done is step up way sooner and fill that gap. Because once Brees Hall gets by the linebackers, like you're not stopping him in wide open field. If you're a safety, you got to cover the whole field. He's, he's getting by you for sure. Christian Benford catches him from behind. He tore his ACL. He should be slow and not good right now. Well, he's what's his problem. Not slow. And he's good. So yeah, it's a problem for the rest of us. But um, yeah, that play was, a rough one for the Bills defense. Other than that, you're right. They kind of did the bend but not break routine where 
They gave up some field goals. They they did everything they could to get the Bills this win. You can't expect anything more than what the Bills did against that Jets offense. And so the defense, I give them a lot of credit. They had a good game. Even sure. I think Terrell Bernard, he's small, and hey, I think was the reason. Now, okay. Okay. Well, Terrell Bernard. Bad. Okay, because I don't think Terrell Bernard was great, being that his size is the reason they chose him to kind of play more in coverage. And I think they were good in coverage. I don't know if that was all Terrell Bernard, but he struggled supporting the run. And so that's a part of this too, that, you know, now you've got a middle of your field that is not being filled by the giant predator in Tremaine Edmonds. You've got a guy half his size who can't just step up and plug a hole. Um, They're going to need more help from Poyer. But if we want to get into the really bad of this game, there's... Well, that's the ugly, but okay. (laughs) Okay, bad. Things that were just bad. I think offensive game plan... Offensive game plan, you had all offseason to plan against this Jets um, defense, and nothing changed. Rodgers went down. The whole game seemed to change, but between the offense, the Bills offense, and the Jets defense, that should not have changed anything, and yet the Bills just looked like a shell-shocked team by how physical this Jets defense was and the scheming in terms of confusing Josh or doing whatever they did to Josh's brain to make him go insane. The offensive game plan did not look good. No, I don't agree and at all. Out, I don't think that the game plan Stephon is the problem. Diggs, well, Stefan Diggs got his, but what other receiver did anything? You mentioned Dalton Kincaid caught four passes on four targets. Yeah, that's great. But he was catching those passes like for six yards and having no room to run afterwards. And I don't know. I just feel like, a lot of the passes were short of the sticks. I don't know if that's all on Josh. And if we're hesitating to put every bit of blame on Josh, then I'm going to say the game plan was not good. It was bad. Not ugly, but bad. I don't know how you can blame the game plan. You were up by 10 at halftime, and every pick that Josh threw, or I scratch the fumble, every pick Josh threw was a play that was set up for a first down. All he had to do was walk for it or throw short to some guy who was wide open for it. And instead, he tries to throw it to the moon. He's on Monday Night Football. He wants to be a hero. He wants to keep this this narrative of him being this primetime superstar going. And he could have just had the easy stuff. That's why I think the game plan was fine. They were winning the game. They were moving the ball. Josh just needed to be okay taking easy stuff. And he became a psychopath and couldn't do it. So I don't blame the game plan. I think if Josh had not thrown those picks... And it just thrown the nice, easy ball to the outside. Or one of them was like a, a third and two. He he could have walked to the first down yeah. and instead tried to throw to the end zone. Take the no, easy stuff. No, you're not wrong about that. And but then you got to win. I'm saying, what I'm saying about the game plan too, game plan as in like in-game coaching as well. And what the hell was Sean McDermott thinking taking that, that uh, field goal early on when he's been super aggressive on fourth down in the past? I just feel like... This felt like a very big game to him, and he seems to kind of shrink in big games, and I thought that was a cowardly decision to take a field goal there. I wanted the touchdown, too. So I wouldn't have kicked the field goal. Uh, in big games, the Bills, it depends on what you define by a big game, but typically the Bills do big pretty game, well in week a big one, game. one, Aaron Rodgers and the uh, playoff favorite Jets at their stadium, the Bills coming in, being also a Super Bowl contender. I think this was the biggest game of week one and that's why they put it on monday football of course and i think you know prime time sean mcdermott in that situation he shrank from the moment i believe i just don't know that that's indicative of how he always like 
the Bills win most playoff games. They typically do very well in prime time. So what's That's a big true. game? I would say McDermott like, yeah, does pretty well. Everything is a big game, but I'm also kind of, you know, thinking about all the big games that the Bills got knocked out of in the playoffs and those have felt. I mean, every I, season I, I ends with a loss I except for one, right? So yes, I won't call this a trend with Sean McDermott's big game stuff, but in this big game, he shrank from the moment. And I think that was bad, not ugly, but bad. I will so say though, the ugly? it's the first time that McDermott is calling the defensive plays the whole game too. And the defense was good. Sure. So you got to give him credit where credit is due. He took on a responsibility that he's never had before with the bills. And that part of the game looked very good. And I thought that Do the, we though? no, I don't think that you can just excuse him of a bad call because the side of the ball that he's choosing to focus on did well. I think your duty as a head coach is to manage the entire game not just one side of the ball. And if you fail to do that, then that's not good. But so I, I don't that. think uh, you're saying he should have thrown or gone for the touchdown instead of kicking a field goal. Where else? Sure. Like in my mind, I would have liked to see the touchdown, but the field goal was fine. You get on the board, you start your season with three points, whatever. Uh, not what I would have done. However, where else in this game are you going to look to a terrible coaching decision? Plus, he coached the whole defense very well. <laughs> This one is not a terrible coaching decision, but I was actually talking to our good buddy Thomas after this game earlier on in the week when tempers were very high. And Tom Thomas especially basically went through this roster and condemned the McBean uh, brain trust. But one thing that we both agreed on is something that has been, you know, on getting on my nerves for years. And that's the fact that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean place so much value in special teams and so much money in special teams compared to other teams around the league. And uh, it was the unit that failed them this game. So that was just bad from a bad standpoint. You can't give up a punt return for a touchdown. That's I know. the end of that conversation. Like there's no excusing that at all. Also keep in mind the game barely went to overtime because Tyler Bass almost missed that kick. Right. Yeah. Oh, there was that. And I was screaming at my screen when uh, Josh threw that first touchdown, threw that only touchdown, sorry, when he uh, looked like he cleared the line. And I was like, what are you doing? Because I thought he was way over the line of scrimmage on that. And I did not realize once they, uh, you know, once they went and reviewed it that there has to be every single part of the body over the line. He is lucky that he's got large feet, I think. I mean, that's the kind of stuff, though, that makes you realize that the Bills do have a special player playing that position. He does that kind of stuff every other week, it seems. A scramble, the other team's like, oh, good, we've got him. He's going to go out of bounds. And then he finds somebody in the end zone. It's crazy how he does that. And he has the ability to do that, which most most people don't. But if we want to start talking about ugly, Josh Allen is yeah. the only place we need to have yes. that discussion. He was terrible. Those three picks are I inexcusable. Paused. The fumble is atrocious. And the Bills should have won this game. All he had to do was just like chill out, take a pill, and just yeah. be a calm, like just calm the whole second half. You don't even need to do anything. They could have pulled him, put in Kyle Allen. You win that game. He just was crazy. I paused the game at numerous points to go back and show my girlfriend who does not watch football, does not care a lick about football, to show her some of the crazy things that Josh Allen was doing and his third quarter run where he's running up the left sideline and they're 
like are two jets coming in on him from the front, one coming in on him from the side, and he jumps in the air as if that's going to power him through <laughs> physical bodies before him. I, what was he doing? What does he know. do that for? I mean, he He's does it because psychopath. once in a while he gets over the guy and it's on ESPN for a whole week. Okay, he got like five inches of air and then got hit in his lower <laughs> half of his body while he was in air and then landed on his side pretty hard from what I remember. Do you remember and Booby my Dixon? My girlfriend was like, why is he doing that? Is that like a, a rugby thing? I'm like, this is football. No, uh, that is just not a normal thing. Yeah, he's crazy. Do you remember Booby Dixon? Uh, no. He was a running back for the Bills for like Booby two Miles? years. No, Booby oh, Dixon. Anthony, Anthony Dixon. Booby Dixon. Anthony, yeah, Anthony Booby Dixon. He came from the 49ers, right? I don't know, but he was the like backup okay. running back for two or three years, and his up the middle jump over the pile was one of the most hilarious things. My dad and I used to laugh at it every time because he couldn't do it because most running backs would get ahead okay. of steam and then they would jump and they would turn their body so that it's parallel with the ground to dive forward. Booby would just mm-hmm. hit the pile standing straight up and then jump straight up in the air. And that's kind of what this Josh Allen thing looked like. Like some of his hurdles are him jumping forward and trying to get over the guy. But this was just like, I'm about to get hit. Why not get hit and also be a half a foot off the ground and see if I can spin myself in a circle and break my neck? Yeah. Yeah. Not a smart decision. Nothing. Very rarely did Josh do the smart thing in this game. He just was on such juice that he couldn't be calm. And that's a problem. They're going to have to figure if I have a problem with Ken Dorsey. That's my problem with Ken Dorsey. If you can't get your quarterback under control, if you can't find a way to rein him in and have him play like a reasonable, decent quarterback in the league on prime time, then we're doomed. So the game plan was okay, but you have to be able to control this guy because he's out of control. He's insane. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I mean... It was ugly. Josh was certainly ugly. The other thing that was really ugly in this game was the offensive line. And we kind of expected this going into the season because neither of us were super confident with our ratings uh, regarding the offensive line. And the Jets front seven, especially the defensive line, is really, really good and showed that in this game. But outside of Saibo, it was ugly. Spencer Brown stinks. He's terrible. I can't stand him right now. I can't even look at him or think about him without getting angry. And uh, Mitch Morse got his lunch eaten on a couple plays as well. I mean, it wasn't all his fault. I think it was the second interception that Josh threw. Mitch Morse found himself one-on-one with Quinn and Williams, who got the pressure and forced the throw of Josh. And uh, I I think it was Connor McGovern who was basically – you know, out on his own, maybe he could have kicked over. I'm not sure how their scheming was, but it seemed like he could have helped Mitch Morse. Did not, and it was just a mess up front for the Bills all game. It seems to me like a lot of the sacks, what were there, six sacks? Something like that? Five or six? Yes, yeah, something like that. Uh, more. Uh, five sacks. Five sacks. Oh, uh, some of them were Josh's fault because he's moving around too much and he's not doing what the play is supposed to do and he takes too long or whatever. So right. there's that. But Spencer Brown was a problem. He was getting beat on. The, I think it was Jonathan Franklin Myers or something that was on that side on that edge. Uh-huh. And he yeah. was just pushing him, just pushing him backwards, not beating him around him, just overpowering him. And Spencer Brown is a big dude. Like at the very least, you have to be able to stop a bull rush 
And he wasn't doing that in most cases. He gave up a lot of pressure. One play that Josh made that was great. The highlight of this play is him. He scrambles to the right. He takes what seems to be a little too long. And then he throws an amazing first down. I don't remember to who. But if you look at like the picture of this play, as Josh is getting rid of it, he's about to get drilled in the back by John Franklin Myers. And Spencer Brown's just like chasing and clutching and doing anything he can. So yeah, he had a very bad game. But like I said, I think Osiris Torrance was good. And I think that the interior, that Jets defensive line is great. So I hesitate to put too much on Mitch Morse or the rest of the interior. But I, I agree. Not, Spencer hey, Brown wasn't I'm good. I'm not blaming him. Even even on that play where Quinton Morris ate his lunch, I'm not blaming him alone because I don't know if it was a scheme or Connor McGovern missed a pickup or something like that. But there's no reason that you're center should be one-on-one with a guy like Quinnian Williams and he was and that happened so it was ugly but it's not entirely on Mitch Morse Spencer Brown yeah you're right he was getting bull rushed like it was nobody's business and that was I think one of the concerns about him coming out of the draft because he's like a what he's like six seven right maybe even taller than that yeah he's huge he's tall and that's always a problem for, or that's what they say is always a problem for huge tall guys like that because they failed to get leverage against these uh, lower to the ground defensive linemen who can just get underneath them, get leverage, bull rush them. And you hope that in year three, this is that Spencer Brown would be a little bit stronger, a little bit wiser with how he, you know, approaches these bull rushers, but it just wasn't working for him all game and he was getting destroyed so that is looking like a wasted third round draft pick i'll call it right now well i think it's too early to write the book on him because he did miss uh, more than a whole season with an injury okay. so uh but it's not going to get easier for him he's got a crazy task coming up this week against the raiders so he's just going to continue yeah. to be in the spotlight um before we move on to talking about that game is there anything I else got one more ugly okay Kyrie Elam, healthy scratched. Scratch. Yeah. And that is ugly. I mean, that's yeah, that's ugly, but it's not unexpected because once they make the call that it's between Dane Jackson and Christian Benford, like we've known for weeks that if it's not Kyrie Elam, it's one of those two guys. And then what do you do? You're not going to you can't dress him. You can't dress like eight corners, you know, so I don't know. You you got to dress. Everyone in your secondary, except for a corner and a safety, basically. And so right now, because of Saran Neal's contribution on special teams, you need him. And Oh, he was so good on that punt return. I, I honestly don't know <laughs> whose fault that punt return was. Yeah, but you've got a whole bunch Sorry, of guys Saran that Neal, just play <laughs> special teams. So, um, Well, okay. So here's the thing. What do you do with Kyrie Lim now? Do you work him out at safety now do you like start the transition and look at Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and see them getting older and older and realize even Taylor Rapp is only on this uh, team for a year and think to yourself maybe we can develop Kyrie Lim into a serviceable safety or do you just continue to make him a healthy scratch every Sunday at cornerback well it's a tricky position because I, mean, I say other, you don't trade but, him I'm against the trade yeah. because you're gonna get nothing for him <laughs> Yeah, you're going to get like less than a seventh round draft pick. I don't know if he's the typical convert to safety type, though. I mean, like Aaron Williams did that very well. But Kyrie Elam's thing is that he's good in man coverage. That's what he does. Only that. 
And so if you're going to move him to a position where his whole thing is going to be space and reading zones, and that's what he's struggling at now. So I think you need him to be a a corner and he's there to improve the way he's practicing or show them whatever they're not. He's not showing them in practice. Cause again, I'll say from my perspective, every game he's played, he's been fine. It's just something behind the scenes that's not working out. So you're going to have injuries. He's going to get an opportunity to get on the field. And when he does, hopefully he shows that he's been improving. But yeah, right now, that's a very disappointing pick because you need your first draft picks to be playing. Good on you, Graham. That's really, honestly, that's good analysis, especially the fact that, uh, you know, I didn't consider Kyrie Lim's weaknesses versus what a safety's responsibilities actually are. I'm like totally stuck. I'll admit this in the Madden mode of you can just uh, move everyone anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. you can, no, no, that's the move. That's the hack. You move all of your young cornerbacks to safety where they will be like 90 overalls right away. And you play them at safety until they get their awareness ratings way up. And then you move them back to cornerback. But you re-sign them on a safety deal because safeties make less money. Oh, That's the heck. There. You do yeah. like a George Wilson receiver slash safety. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Change their position every year. So there's on a seven-year deal. No one in like salary arbitration could ever keep up with this. What should he be paid? We don't know what he plays. Exactly. We're going to make him a safety yeah. this year. Exactly. He gets peanuts. Yeah. Fun. Yep. So in the end, obviously, you know, the uh, – the dagger to the heart was the bills, not just the bills, not being able to, uh, you know, keep Xavier Gibson out of the end zone on that punt return, but also just their offense looking completely, uh, useless in their first possession of overtime. It was, I mean, it starts with a a false start, I think by Spencer Brown on the overtime drive. So you got that to contend with. And then there's an incomplete pass to Dawson Knox that is underthrown by Josh. And then you're behind the eight ball, and then it's just terrible punk coverage. I honestly don't want to talk about this game anymore. It's so yeah, bad. Can we, can we stop? Yes. Okay. Let's talk about – well, we have to talk about it in a tangential way in a second, but let's talk about the rest of the AFC East. Obviously, the Jets are uh, you know, at the top right now, right? I don't think there's any doubt that they are number one in the AFC East, even though the Dolphins also won. They did, the Dolphins did not win a division game. Um Dolphins looked really, really good. No, against the Chargers, <laughs> their offense is scary, dude. I'm not scary. afraid of that. 466 from Tua. That's wild stuff. And yeah, the Chargers defense stinks. They're terrible, and I don't know how Brandon Staley still has a job, especially how because does that's he still have a his. job? I don't know. Dude. Even his like, I watched that game. A lot of that game. And yeah. they're not even doing like they're not even like going for it on fourth downs anymore. Like this is his thing. The, he has so many reasons everybody hates him. They underperform. <laughs> the defense is bad. Ouch. He's the analytics do what the numbers say guy. He's not even doing that anymore. Like you, you somehow have your job still. Just stick to your guns, man. At least see if it works. Yeah. It, it's a mess. He's like the opposite. Do you remember when Ron Rivera? I think it was 2014. Ron Rivera was in danger of losing his job because the Panthers sucked and he became Riverboat Ron. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to get fired at the end of the season anyway. So let's just say F it and take every, you know, fourth down opportunity we can start playing with, you know, house money and stuff like that. And uh, he turned it around. He became coach of the year. The next season led the Panthers to a Super Bowl appearance. Brandon Staley is the opposite of that. <laughs> he came in, as you said, the analytics guy and, uh, defensive guru for the Los Angeles Rams 
and has proven himself to be completely over his head as a head coach and just a terrible finish to last season with his coaching decisions. But yeah, anyway, Chargers look terrible, but the Dolphins looked really, really good. The Patriots stuck with the Eagles, which was interesting. Their offense looked not bad, whereas the Eagles' uh, offense in that game looked pretty bad. So I don't know. Could have been the conditions and everything like that, but the Patriots moved it against the Eagles' defense a lot better than I thought, uh, even though the Eagles' defense did give me some good points in fantasy. They didn't do as well as the Cowboys' defense did for me this week. Yeah. Oh, good for you. 41 <laughs> points. Yeah, I, uh, wait, <laughs> they, I thought it was 40. Oh, the, okay, the fantasy saying, numbers. Thought, like, yeah. Oh my 40 God, to zero. Their real team. Yeah. Oh they did. It was crazy. The, yeah. The Giants yeah. really didn't show well in that first game. Um, but but the, the big thing we haven't talked about with the AFC East is Aaron Rodgers injury and how this changes oh, everything. Right. That. Okay. So that. I don't. I don't ever think it's funny to someone to see someone get hurt. I don't think that that's funny. And and the Jets of the villains in the AFC East are the the least, right? The lesser of three evils to me. But when you're there in the okay. stadium, they're all your enemy anyway. So you do not wish for good things to be happening. To oh, them. you see red every time you go to that. Jets when stadium. that when he came out of the tunnel, and I'll say that like the pregame stuff was a lot of fun. It had a lot of significance to it. Obviously, it was nine eleven, and they did some great stuff with the anthem to make it be a, a to- whole ton of fun. Like. A lot of this is the stuff you miss when you just turn on the TV the minute there's kickoff. Like the experience is Fun. awesome. And okay. the Jets come out of the tunnel one at a time with their American flags, and then Rodgers comes out and the place literally shakes. Like the stadium, the whole place is rocking under your feet because they're so excited for this guy. And they come out for their first series, and three plays in, he's down, he gets dragged off. And you could just feel the whole place deflate when they saw Zach Wilson warming up on the sidelines. Evil. Oh, it was hilarious. Now, at the time, I didn't know that Aaron Rodgers was going to be out for the game. I just thought, oh, he twisted his ankle. He's an old guy. He's got to shake it off, whatever. We'll see. And then my cousin's sitting with me, and he's got, you know, Twitter or whatever going. So he he knows immediately what's happening. He's feeding me everything. He's like, oh, he's in the tunnel. Oh, you know, he's being evaluated. Oh, they're tweeting that he's not coming back. Oh, it's uh, torn Achilles. His season is over. And it was just like, the whole Jets Which cousin was this? Spencer. Friend right, of the pod. Spencer. Yeah, I hope Spencer, uh, you know, handled himself with a little more uh, aplomb than you did just there. You're evil. Smiling at the Jets' hopes and dreams going down like that. Aaron Rodgers is a human man. He's a human being. As I said, I'm not laughing at the injury to the man. I am laughing at the deflation of an entire fan base on the opening drive of their season. And even the next day at work, like I'm expecting to just get ripped by all these people because that's how it goes. You got to deal with it, right? So I'm coming in and I'm expecting, and they're all just like dragging their feet. Their heads are down. They're like, man, I'm sure you're not feeling good about that game, but I'd rather be the Bills right now than the Jets. And I'm just like, oh, you're right. I feel so bad for all you people. They all got so excited. They went out and they got the quarterback and then <laughs> then they kick off and then, oh, it's done. That's the end. So, wow. Aplomb's not the right word. Grace, you you lack it. Anyway, um, that's fair. I just want to say, speaking of uh, family members of yours, well, number one, Robert Sala, Salah, Sala, Robert Sala outcoached Sean McDermott in this game, and uh, also your sister says that she was the first one. She is the straw that stirs the drink in the situation where both of you ended up hating 
Robert Sala with a white hot passion. I don't so think she was first. You just followed her lead. That could be. I believe it. That could I should have seen it. All right. I should have seen it. Apologies to Kelsey on that one. Yeah, that's fair. I think she probably would like credit. I mean, anybody could watch that and hate him. So I'm sure she she saw it on her own. I oh, saw amen. it on my own. Everybody else that watched Hard Knocks, I'm sure also hated Robert Sala. How could you watch that man give a speech and then come away respecting him? You ain't got him? haters, you ain't popping. Exactly, yeah. But this changes everything for the Jets. Uh, Zach Wilson came in. He is the Buffalo killer. And he didn't look dreadful, but even on his touchdown pass, that was a bad throw. That should, like, you know, 99,000 times uh, out of 100,000, that would be an incompletion. And... uh Garrett Wilson just made him look good, but and the Zach pick he Wilson threw to Milano is brutal too. Right? Yeah, yeah. That was just yeah. He stared down his receiver. Yeah, he's but not good. <laughs> behind, yeah, on, with him at the helm, where do you see this these Jets team going this? Season? Well, they got to go. I get... think both of us had him in the playoffs, right? Yes, I do not see them making yeah. the playoffs. Um, this definitely changes things. Now we can't go back and rewrite our picks. But, no, we cannot. Yeah, if I had to, I would pencil somebody new into one of those wild card spots. And then I'm off the top of my head, I don't know, maybe the Titans? That's just, I don't think I had them in. I think I had only the Jags out of the, the South. So maybe I'd go them instead. But yeah, it's Dolphins, Bills mm-hmm. coming out of the AFC East. Probably. You never know, because the Bills lost to the Jets once, and they the whole game didn't have Aaron Rodgers, so the Bills lost to that team that we're saying won't make the playoffs. But I think the Bills will get their act together and the Jets are going to have a long road ahead. I think the Dolphins make... Wait, did I have the Dolphins making the playoffs? Yeah. In my original case? Yeah, we both oh, did. Damn it. Yep. All right. Well, Titans, I do not see them making the playoffs. So especially after their week one showing, Ryan Tannehill looks shot. Again, this is not just like a week one overreaction. He looked shot at the end of last season as well. I don't know if it's just... He has nobody to throw to, even though they acquired DeAndre Hopkins, but he did not look good. Um, I don't know. It's it just such an advantage to sit in that division and get to play. Right. Yeah, but that's where I think the Jaguars, uh, you know, make the playoffs for sure. And then I think that even if a team like the Jets or a team like the Titans or even the Colts with Anthony Richardson no. looking Pretty I mean, decent. You had a good won. opening game, but that's not going to last a whole season. I would. We'll see. I'd put my money. I mean, I didn't have the Browns getting in. They looked real good week one. Yeah. So maybe uh, them. Good. Yes. No. The Bengals. Just they held like the trash. Bengals to three points. The Bengals looked like trash. The defense of the Browns looked good. Deshaun Watson still does not look. That's great. true. He didn't Nick look Chubb great. Is always going to look. But good. they still put so. up like twenty three points on the Bengals and held them to three. Mm. So I don't know. Maybe the Chargers make the playoffs, even though we both think I've already got the Chargers making the playoffs. Oh, I don't think I have them making the playoffs. Yeah. So maybe they make the playoffs, even though I think Brandon Staley sucks. I believe Justin Herbert and that offense might be enough to uh, carry them into the playoffs. Well, what do you think of the Las Vegas Raiders? uh, I thought the Las Vegas Raiders looked plucky in week one, Graham, and... That is strange to say because when we go through our uh, position by position matchups, analysis, whatever you want to call it, uh, I don't feel great about this roster. <laughs> but they took on Sean Payton at Denver in week one, and they uh, kind of ruined Sean Payton's return to the head coaching ranks in the NFL. 
Yeah, I think that the general consensus is that the Broncos look better. They're not the dumpster fire they were last season, but they still couldn't beat the Raiders, and no one expects much of the Raiders this year in the AFC, so um, not a good sign for the Broncos. Maybe an arrow up for the Raiders and an arrow down for the Broncos from where people thought they'd be, but none of it's going to matter that much probably in the wrong, long run. So uh, this week, Bills get to play. A team that everybody expects to not make the postseason, a team that's kind of trying to to rebuild from some years of poor management and poor drafting and just get back into the discussion. And uh, we got to talk about these rosters a little bit and, and match them up, see how the Bills stand up against the Raiders. All right. Um, let Yeah, let's start. I, I got Jimmy Garoppolo, their quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders, being the exact same quarterback no matter what uniform he is wearing even with the Patriots in his limited play he was a guy who was like I think a more athletic version of the typical game manager that you um picture in your mind but also to kind of balance out that extra athleticism he's way more erratic than the typical game manager is as well and that has been the case Every single uniform he's worn, he's been a winner when he's been healthy, but he's always made these weird, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Boneheaded plays. He had a really good completion percentage. He threw two touchdowns, but he also had a boneheaded interception, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, And he was not able to really establish a connection with the number one receiver for that team, Devontae Adams. He sure established a connection with the number two receiver, though. He went after Jacoby Jacoby Myers Myers, every second, like nine or ten targets in this game. Yeah, something big like that. I mean, he he barely got any yards every catch that he made, but uh, he scored two touchdowns on it, and he's out with a concussion, isn't he? Or is he still in concussion protocol, something like that? I don't know if he'll play or not, but he got hurt towards the end of the game, so... It's a shame for him, yeah. but um, yeah, yeah, they have Devonte Adams, so he should probably throw the ball to him a lot more often. And yeah. I don't know, you're talking about should we compare these two quarterbacks? You've got a game manager who makes bonehead decisions, and you've got an elite MVP candidate from one year to the next who makes bonehead decisions. So I'll take Josh Allen if we're comparing them. But <laughs> last week, Jimmy Garoppolo was I'll a take, much, much, much better quarterback than Josh Allen was. So small sample size. Agreed. But if we're just going by last week, uh, Jimmy would have won the Bills that game. All right. So we both obviously have Josh Allen over Jimmy Garoppolo here. But if Josh Allen plays worse than Jimmy Garoppolo in this game, is it time to start really getting worried? Um, hmm. I mean, of course, that's dependent on how Jimmy plays. But if Josh Allen, let's just say, has a bad game, is it time to really start to get worried? about where he's at mentally, physically, whatever he's doing. Yeah, I think season. so. You stack two games like that back to back, then you get to you got to start getting worried about how this season's going to go. Two games back to back and then the playoff loss against the Bengals, right? And then right. the playoff uh win that they eked out against the Dolphins as well. Fair. Yeah. That's a lot of uh underperformance in a row. So, right. You know, I don't expect right. Josh to be like, this is not the end of Josh Allen's career, but you need coaches to find a way to get him out of this funk that he's in. They have the weapons around right. him. Everyone else is doing enough to win games, and it's just him being a crazy person. So I pick Josh Allen right. here. I probably will continue to pick Josh Allen no matter how many terrible games he has. 
for the foreseeable future. But I think your point is fair that if he has another bad game, it's going to be concerning. All right. Uh, so we both have Josh at quarterback, running back, running back. Uh, uh, Josh Jacobs on my fantasy team, no big deal. Uh, came back from a long contract holdout. He did sign a one year deal that got him a little bit extra money and back in Las Vegas to play for the Raiders in week one, which I think was a surprise to a lot of people because like he didn't do anything with the team really during the offseason. Uh, but he came back, looked like he was knocking some of the rust off, did not have a lot of space uh, to make big plays, to be fair. His, his offensive line didn't give him a lot of space. But when he's good, when he's on a roll, he is one of the best running backs in the league. Zamir White was a pretty high draft pick, uh, mid-round draft pick for the Raiders. Uh, I think out of Georgia where he played really well. And they even have a former second round pick as their third running back, Amir Abdullah, who never really did much in um, a Lions Detroit. uniform and then a Vikings uniform. But I think he's a talented third down back. This running back room to me is far superior to what the Bills have, even though I like what Josh or James Cook was able to do on a few runs against the Jets. Yeah, I like James Cook. Um he had a good game. I liked Latavius Murray. He was fine. So uh, I like the Bills running back group right now. By the way, Latavius Murray's family was in the section with us across the aisle. It was like um, eight people from his family all wearing Latavius Murray jerseys. And at first we were like, who in oh, their nice. right mind went out and bought a Latavius Murray jersey? <laughs> and we saw three or four of them. And we were like, what is going on? And it's the whole his whole <laughs> family was there at the game, all in the section wearing the jerseys. So that was cool. Nice. But, you um, thought they were Bill's hipsters at first, right? <laughs> yeah, right. People just trying to find the most obscure new player. Um, but yeah, I'm picking the Raiders here. They have Josh Jacobs, and he's one of the best running backs, or could be one of the most in- talented running backs on any given day. So you got to go with him. Right. All right. Now we get to kind of an interesting position. The Raiders wide receiver group against the Bills wide receiver group. Devontae Adams is one of the top receivers in the league, but Stefan Diggs is as well. Uh, the Raiders is their second receiving option. You know, they have Jacoby Myers, who was knocked out or in concussion protocol following the Broncos game. I don't know if he'll be healthy, but he looked very comfortable playing in the Josh McDaniel system, as he should coming over from New England. And then they have Hunter Renfro, who as a late round draft pick has established himself as a really solid, um, you know, kind of move the chain sort of receiver. I believe he's got a 1000 yard season under his belt. And even though there have been rumors of Josh McDaniels shopping Hunter Renfro around since he's come to Las Vegas, uh, hasn't happened yet. And I am going to say that the Raiders have the better room here. Hunter Renfro did not even record a catch last week. So I know it's a rough start to the season. I think he's in Josh. I think he's in Josh McDaniels doghouse and has been since Josh McDaniels got there. But I believe in the player himself. Well, I'm going to pick the bills uh, because I do like Hunter Renfro. I think he's Clemson, right? I remember watching him in like a national championship yep. game and thinking he was a lot of fun and pulling for him to make a team because he wasn't obviously a highly sought after oh, player. Dude. I've probably said this before on the pod, but he has the best. Uh, <laughs> he, has, he has the best scouting report I've ever read. It went through like strengths, weaknesses and outlook. And uh, the outlook was just like, He's too slow, he's too small, and his hands are like baby gloves. But other than that, he's fine. 
<laughs> well, and they rated him as an undraftable prospect. I don't think he so. got drafted, did he? I think he did. Yeah. Huh. Oh, mistaken. you're right. Fifth round. Yeah, fifth round pick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. A, a rare hit for the uh, Raiders in Dude, this. That's the thing that we really got to talk about here. I think maybe towards the end. Well, I don't know. Why not? This Raiders depth chart. Looking at it, it just reminds you of like how bad the John Gruden, Mike Mayock brain trust was leading this team because the only impactful players on this roster that they drafted are guys that they got in the later rounds like Hunter Renfro who as you mentioned did not have a catch in week one uh uh what's his name Max Crosby I think he was like a fifth round draft pick by them and he's one of the best defensive ends in the league and then just a whole ton of early round busts including Cleveland Farrell's not on this team anymore. Fourth overall pick out of Clemson. Uh, we talked about that safety, Jonathan Abrams, before we started potting and how he's on a practice squad somewhere. Damon Arnett, of course, Henry Ruggs, another first round pick who, uh, for a different reason, did not work out with the Raiders. It was ugly, man. Yeah. They stink. Yeah. That's a, it's a rough stretch for them. Um, but you were talking about their receiver group specifically here. And other than Hunter Renfro, uh, you know, with Jacoby Myers potentially not going to play, right? that doesn't look very good for the Raiders. And Devontae Adams is great, but I think Diggs is a better receiver than Devontae Adams. So um, although the Bills Ooh, I are... I don't know about that. Yeah, I like Diggs better. I don't know if I like Diggs better than uh, Garrett Wilson, but I do like him better than Devontae Adams at this point. I mean, Devontae Adams... I don't, I don't know. What's the difference in these two guys' ages? Devonta Adams is over 30. I believe they're both 30. Diggs Are is 30? Not? Wow, maybe. I think so. Let's see. How old is Stefan Diggs? He's a young 30. He might be 29. Um, he's, he's 29. Yeah, Diggs is like uncoverable to me. But we'll see what happens in this game. I think the Bills will be fine handling one receiver that they really have to worry about so i take the bills because it's just Diggs and davis really are all that matter they're not playing we saw they're not playing three receivers very often so i don't think you have to factor in like deontay hardy trent sherfield these are not the guys that matter when you're talking about the bills receiving core it's Diggs and davis up against whatever the other team likes to run they'll do three receivers fine you can take myers adams and hunter renfro if you want to but then we've got great tight ends, so we're getting into a bit of a gray area here. Um, but I'm going to take Diggs and Davis over Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. That's fair. That's fair. All right, let's move on to tight end then, because you really like the Bills' tight end room. I like the Raiders' tight end room as well, uh, but I agree with you, I think, and what you're about to say, that the Bills have the superior room here. I mean, it's not even close, right? Really? Yeah, I, I, they got rid of Darren Waller, so they did. You're talking about they have Dawson Knox. They have Austin Hooper. The uh, I'm talking about the Raiders have Austin Hooper, who uh, has been pretty solid in his career. I mean, he's not got the highs that uh, Dawson Knox has. Maybe earlier in his career, he was more of a receiving threat than he is now. Uh, but they also have Michael Meyer, who some believe would be the first. <laughs> Some believed he would be the first tight end off the board in the draft. Yeah, and did he play terribly? Terribly in week one. I didn't. Yeah. Oh yeah, he had a very bad game. How's that? Um, terrible in pass blocking, and the times he was on the field made zero impact. I mean, mm. he's not even on the stat sheet in terms of. Let's see, did he have a catch? Even 
No, he did not have a catch. No, he committed a penalty, gave up a, a bunch of pressures. Bad day for for. And, and if I remember correctly, his thing is not that he's going to be all over the field catching balls and running. He's supposed to be more of the typical tight end, right? Whereas the Kincaid um, tight end is more of a receiver. Well, yeah, Kincaid is more of a receiver. He's, you know, the most elite receiving prospect at tight end in this last draft, bar none. But Michael Meyer is supposed to be like a berserker out there when he gets the ball in his hands. Like he's not the fastest guy, but he's just strong. He's solid and he's got very good hands. But I guess he didn't show that week one. No, but it's Um, one game. I mean, so put the ball in his hand and see what happens, I guess. We'll see. And what do we do with fullbacks now? Do we they're running want backs. them in with running backs? Do we talk do we about them fullbacks? in tight ends because they're like H-backs? Well, they have Jakob Janssen, who is their starting uh, fullback, and I believe he's like starting every single game in this Josh McDaniels offense. So he's worth talking about, worth mentioning at least. Okay. He's from Germany, damn it. Raiders win at fullback. How about that? Okay, thank you. Sorry, Reggie. <laughs> Offensive anyway, line? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Offensive line... The Raiders suck at offensive line, but the Bills are equally or were equally bad in week one. I'm just going to give it to the Bills because I have maybe I'm hoping more so that they're going to bounce back. Maybe even Spencer Brown will, uh, I don't know, shock me and have a decent game. I mean, they're starting Greg Van Roten and we didn't even want him. Yeah. So that's right. got to mean point Bills, right? Sure. And they have one player who's the top backup at three different positions. So I don't know if that's a good sign. (laughs) Seems like it's pretty thin (laughs) if that's the case. Moving on to the defense then. How do you like the Raiders defensive front seven? Uh, I don't know, man. I think I might have to take the Raiders at defensive line. I'm not I'm gonna split it up because I've never heard of a single player at linebacker for them besides Robert Spillane. Uh, but Max Crosby, like I said, is one of the best edge rushers in the entire league. He's like, to me, he's right up there with Joey Bosa and Micah Parsons. He doesn't have the amount of sacks that those guys do. And that usually bugs the hell out of me. It certainly did when I was watching Jerry Hughes in a Buffalo uniform. But Max Crosby creates a ton of pressure. He gets a ton of tackles for loss and fumble, force fumbles and everything. And, uh, he to me is i would say top five edge rusher in the entire league and chandler jones who's having a weird time right now (laughs) is also one of the most talented edge rushers in the league when he's right uh he is not right now and i don't know if he's even going to play in this game he did not play week one because he's going through some drama with josh mcdaniels according to twitter and according to chandler jones himself but they have like a top 10 pick I think behind Chandler Jones maybe even started last game Tyree Wilson he was drafted seventh overall in this last draft I don't know if he showed up on the stat sheet but his profile is one uh, uh, as being like a very long athletic pass rusher the kind of guy they thought they were getting when they uh, drafted Cleland Farrell fourth overall all those years ago. So I don't know. I want to give it to the Raiders just to switch things up a little bit here. No, I'm not going to give it to the Raiders. I mean, I like to just look at the whole front seven because I I want to do the defense in two chunks and be done with it. But the defensive line for the Bills, I was pretty happy with a lot of the pressure that they got. I know they got gashed at the middle a couple of times, but I thought Ed Oliver played well. 
I liked Rousseau getting the pressure that he got and our and Matt Milano is still just such a maniac that you got pieces like that. It's so hard to overlook them. And this Raiders defensive line, you're talking about a guy who's in a contract dispute who's not going to play. You're talking about backups who might end up being good if they get into the game and can provide some support. Outside of that, it's a bunch of guys that I, I mean, I don't know every player in the NFL, but I've never heard of a lot of these guys. I have heard of Jerry Tillery. Jerry Tillery, Notre Dame guy. Heard of him. Former first-round draft pick, had a sack week one, uh, and has been with this Raiders team for two seasons now. And starting on the interior, you got Bilal Nichols, who's coming out of Division Two. He's a Delaware Blue Hen. Um, John <laughs> Jenkins, been around a long time. And so if you end up stacking up their defensive line against our defensive line, I think you give it to us. And like you said, their linebackers are nobodies right now. That doesn't mean they're not effective, but Robert Spillane and Diablo, Divine Diablo, who had a very good game, apparently, last week. Um, I will take Matt Milano and Terrell Bernard, who Terrell Bernard, you know, he wasn't perfect, but they're going to give him the start again. I think he'll he'll find a way to be effective back there and run support as well as the asset that he is in coverage. So give me the bills for sure. All right. You say bills front seven. I say bills on at linebacker, but Raiders at defensive line, just because I'm a huge Max Crosby fan. Makes it hard to keep score. Cornerbacks. They have Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs. Did he play for the Patriots too? Mm. Is this just, just New England West? I think he played for the Patriots. No, I guess not. Um, but they have Nate Hobbs at one cornerback position. Uh, not very good. And then they have Marcus Peters at the other cornerback position. And Marcus Peters, I believe he last played for the Ravens, got injured, and then was signed late this offseason. Uh, and so it doesn't look too great for the Raiders at the cornerback position, which they have invested heavily in in the past with little to show for. They've it. also got Jacorian Bennett, a fourth round pick from this year, listed as a starting corner. He played very poorly last week. Do they? Yeah, but he's oh. listed as a starter here too. So I got Nate and Marcus on my depth chart. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, between the three of them, that's pretty unimpressive because I liked what I saw to Christian Benford last <laughs> week and Trey White. And obviously, Taron Johnson is still great. And if your fourth guy into the game is Dane Jackson, you're in pretty good shape. So, Bills by 100. We agree. And then safety. Give me the safety, Bills. Which Poirier, is a little... Poirier didn't look yeah. great, obviously. Yeah. Hyde did. Hyde was fine. Um, yeah. So, I'm going to continue to go with those guys just because he got one bad game. Uh, I mean, Josh Allen played a bad game. We're not writing him off just yet. And Hyde and Poirier are as much a staple on this team as he has been for the past four years. So. I'm going to continue to give them the nod. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, they got Trayvon Morig, second-round draft pick at safety, uh, but he hasn't done anything special in the league. And let I'm hoping, just as I am with the offensive line, that Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde had a rough week one, but after that, they write the ship. And it's onward and forward, baby. All right. So, special teams. Oh, um... I'll take the Bills. The most important. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not game. taking the Bills because they blew the game for us. I was going to take the Bills because I think uh, Tyler Bass did something kind of funny, you know, making it interesting, doinking the game tying field goal off the upright. Kind of funny? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I think he did that intentionally to make it dramatic. Yeah, but, sure. Huh? And that takes talent, really. So fun. But the uh, punt return touchdown is no good. So give me the Raiders special teams unit because they probably didn't do what the bills did last give week. me the raiders anyway 
Daniel Carlson is very good. Does he still have He's great hair? Better- uh, I don't know. Did he? Always, I thought he, he had crazy hair? flow. Maybe he didn't. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It doesn't look like he's got much flow. Oh. Nah. Well, yeah, he did have pretty good flow, I guess. Oh, yeah. He's still back got a little Not bit out anymore. the back there. Yeah, yeah. He lo- yeah. he looks like uh, uh, Sonny from... Uh, yeah, he remember does. Remember the Sunshine. Titans. Sunshine. Sunshine, remember the Titans. Yeah, he does. all right, yeah. cool. All right, I can pull for him. One of the better kickers in the game. I'm giving it to the Raiders. And then there's the coaching staff. Uh, I don't have the big problem you think, have with the Bills coaching staff from the last game. I don't game. think Sean McDermott had a good week one. I don't think Ken Dorsey had a good week one, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to choose them over Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels is looking very much like Denver Josh McDaniels, which got Denver Josh McDaniels fired, and he's in year two of Las Vegas Josh McDaniels, and I think he's about to get Las Vegas Josh McDaniels fired as well. Mm. All right. Does I'll that make take. sense? Yeah, yeah. I like it. They got too much. It's too much of the same people, don't you think? Yeah, it's such a yeah. club. Like, I don't know. I feel this way about so many things, but with football, it's like, all right, let's just take the same thirty guys and shuffle them up. Where'd they go? You know, let's give some new right. people a crack at this here. I want to see what people can do. Like the Brandon Staley thing didn't work out, but that doesn't mean and some new up and coming guy can't come in and crack through. Uh, well, who was the guy in Arizona who also stunk? Um, Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury. Every once in a Somebody while, hire it's got to be more Bien-Ami often. As a coach. That's what I want to see. That's maybe my biggest non-Buffalo wish for this season or after the season, rather. Somebody give Eric Bieniemy a head coaching job. Not because I think he's going to be amazing. I don't know. I don't know if anybody really knows if he will be. But I think, based on what I've heard about him, that he's an absolute psychopath and. <laughs> Uh, Ron Rivera even had to like eat his own words. We might've even talked about this earlier in the podcast, had to eat his own words about the intensity about which, uh, Eric Bienemy coaches his offense and say like a lot of players just like, don't respond to that kind of coaching. Cause it's so over the top. And I want to see that out of a head coach. I want to see Eric Bienemy screaming at multimillionaires on the field. Give him a coaching job. Damn it. I'd like Get that for a lot of Josh reasons, but I think at this point, if he doesn't have a coaching job, it's because either he knows he's in the right role and he's winning Super Bowls and doing his thing. He doesn't need to put himself into the spotlight. I mean, some people would just oh, take the paycheck. He doesn't want a head coaching job. I think, I think he does. I think there has been no opportunity so far that's been presented to him that would make him want to leave what he's got right now. To go get no, hammered no, no, in the wait. media. Well, you know he's in Washington now. He's like, you know that. No, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. why? He went to Washington this season because of that exact reason. He sat down for like, I don't know how many uh, interviews in the last three or maybe even four coaching cycles and has not gotten that number one shot. And a lot of people say it's because people are giving – all the credit, maybe rightfully so, that Kansas City offense to Andy Reid. And so he's in Washington. Matt to really Nagy stake out is on the his offensive own. coordinator for the Kansas yeah, City Chiefs. Yeah, man. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. All right. Well, that blows my theory out of the water. Obviously, people don't think he's good enough. So he wants the jobs. I'm with you. We'll see. Let the man coach. Get rid of these guys. Josh Let McDaniels, get him out of here. Give this psychopath the keys to your that franchise. That would be so fun. Yeah, uh, he's probably a nice guy. Just a little intense. 
All right. So we both got Sean McDermott, number one. Yeah. And uh, uh, All right. you want to pick a score for this game? Sure, Graham. Uh, but you go first. It's the home opener, baby. And I didn't say it last week, I guess, and I took a little heat from you this week. I'll be at this game as well. Um, so we are going yeah. to the home opener. I've been at some bad home openers. I was at a bad game last week. I'm not ready to sit through another disappointment. So um, I am going Bills here. They're going to come out swinging. They are not going to let what happened last week happen again. Um, Bills score 31. I'm sticking with 31. That's what I guessed last week. Raiders 17. Thank you. Thank you. I do what I can. This might be the first time in podcast history that you and I have the same exact projection. And that's huh. not just because I told you to go first and uh, then listen to what I said. Like I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you started talking, I thought 31 for the Bills, 17 for the Raiders. Wow. Well, you can't pick it yeah. now because I already picked it. Wait, what? It's a Why competition. Who does better? It's all about no, winning. No, we already have our competition. That's the survivor pick, and you stunk week one, and I got that's it week true. one. So that's but our you picked first, so this I get to go first we this week. Sure. Yeah, go for it. Are we ready for that? Yeah. Ge- I mean. Give me the bills. I think 31-17. Oh. In the survivor pool, too. I'm doubling down. Wow. Survivor pool, bills. Wow. This week, the bills win 31-17. Josh gets right. Now, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say, he throws five touchdowns and all of a sudden is back on top of the MVP race or anything like that. But he won't be concerning anymore. We'll be able to come away from this saying, all right, Josh is Josh. We won that game. Now let's put our heads down and go do what we got to do. All right. Now, I might not have a leg to stand on in this argument because I did choose Washington week one and they were facing Arizona, who is arguably, uh, you know, positioning themselves for a run at the first overall That's pick. my opinion. Meaning, Your opinion is that it's the Rams who looked pretty nice yeah, against yeah, the Seahawks was, last was, week. Yep, that's true. That's true. But week one can be crazy. So again, I don't know if I have a leg to stand on, but it almost seems unfair that you can choose the Bills in this matchup. How much are they favored by over the Raiders? Ooh, good question. What is the line here? Uh, I, I don't know. The the spread right now is seven and a half or eight points in favor of the Bills. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, hey. I, Plus I eight. I guess it's not yeah. unfair, eight. right? It's not unfair because you can only pick the Bills once. And go ahead if you want to pick it. If you want to pick them over the uh, hapless Las Vegas Raiders who are somehow one to know but definitely the inferior team in this matchup, go for it. That's, that's, you know, you can do that. I am going to go with the Kansas City. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to go with the New York Giants. Oh, no way. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, boy. They looked terrible against the Cowboys. I don't know how, how many opportunities I'm going to have to choose them this season, uh, but I have confidence in Brian Dable. I have confidence in Danny Dimes. And I have even more confidence that the Cardinals are a terrible team. So you know what? I might just pick every team that faces the Cardinals every single week. Who knows? It's worked out for me one week already. So I'm going to go with it. Ride it, baby. Not a bad strategy. New York Giants. All right. I hope 
only the best for our picks this week because we seem to both be betting heavily on the Bills here with the score projections and things like that. And obviously the Bills need a win because we cannot start the season 0-2. Um, thanks for everybody for tuning in. Appreciate your support even throughout Bills' losses. We will talk to you next week following what is hopefully a get-right game for the Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.